We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, uh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and we are here not only celebrating a Bills playoff win, but also conducting pirate radio because I'm not supposed to be here. Shh. Polling cars don't, said no one be driving. Don't tell anyone. Right. That's one of the beauties of us living like ten minutes away from each other. Yeah. Remember when I used to live literally right around the corner? I could have walked here if I still lived in my old house. Yeah, you could have you could have taken uh if you had a uh, snowmobile, you could have arrived via snowmobile. But we only have where we live now, we have uh 1 2 3 4 5 6 streets to go down. So we were texting about this earlier and I was like, "My street's plowed." Union and Clinton are also plowed. I'm sure that, uh, I don't know how it is over by you, if the main streets by where you live are plowed. So but I, that covered half of it, so, uh, so I get, leave. get your ass over here. Chris goes, don't worry, I cleared the driveway. Don't I show up what had to be minutes after the town loader came through and just shoved another three-foot snowbank into Chris's driveway? <laughs> Guys, for those of you who don't know, you don't live in the Buffalo area. So it's kind of actually it is part of the recap of this game because it's part of the story of what happened here. We are currently so where Chris and I live, West Seneca, New York. So far, the estimated snowfall total has been 43 inches. And that was over the weekend. That was pre kickoff for the Bills game that got moved to Monday. 
Monday night came and went, clear skies. Monday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon came, kind of sunny out, wasn't it? Yeah. And then Tuesday night it started to snow. We got. I probably saw another 15 inches, maybe 16, overnight. That gets us to today, where we're now supposed to, any minute now, it's going to start snowing again. Another <laughs> Up to another 36 inches. Potentially over the next 24 hours, we might see another 30 inches of snow. The funny thing is people question, why would you live in a place like that? Why wouldn't you? What's not to love about this? I moved back from Atlanta well, to I mean, Buffalo. It, to be fair, it was Atlanta. <clears throat> I mean, it's, yeah. it's the Tonawanda of states. It, cities. It is. I hated Atlanta, and I had always wanted to move back. And then I did it, and... If I had never moved back, this podcast wouldn't be a thing. I wouldn't know who this dickhead is to my left <laughs> your life at all. Might, your life might actually be better because of that. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. We are about that, what you're sipping, because we won. Ooh, we won. That? We won. Who are we playing? Kansas City. We won. We're now going to play Kansas City. So you celebrate. You have Ben Holiday's. Rickhouse proof bourbon. It is the best. That you can. It's smooth. I think only get in and around the Kansas City area. It is. Because I did buy that at the whiskey. Well, I didn't buy that at the whiskey snug. My brother said, What whiskey are you going to not get and go? I wish that was it. I wish I bought that. And I go, Well, the holiday Rickhouse proof. So my brother bought it. We drank some of it. Told me to take the bottle back to Buffalo. You've got that. I've got a old fashioned with the soft red wheat bottled in bond Ooh. bourbon. You can get that here. Like if you live locally, you can get that here. That's at Premier. I think it's like sixty bucks. The Rickhouse. So you get Rickhouse proof as we discuss. The- is this my, well, is this my uh, is this my thank you or not a thank you? Is this my like this is what I get for braving the cold and yeah, the storm yeah. and. All this that. The, I'll tell you what, it's worth it. That's really smooth. And we have, this is also what I like. Look at that. Your dumb face at a different angle. Three cameras, this, baby. This is the this is the camera setup that I like. And I will say, stop moving the microphone <laughs> with each camera change. Chris. You, we've, we're about to go nine years into this podcast. And you still don't know that the conversation happens through this sure sm7b microphone so this is just what put I the love. mic in front now, of your face and talk into it now for those of you who are disregard that there's cameras here so for those of you guys who are listening at home there's little things i like to do now and again that i like to mix into the show that i do specifically to irritate chris i go i bet you and the funny thing is i moved it once and i watched his reaction i was like oh i'm doing this <laughs> i'm gonna keep doing it until he snaps if like you my wa- laptop, remember when I was putting my laptop down like this, and you just flipped out? <laughs> you, yeah, that. I had it leaned like almost flat, and you just lost your mind. I love doing this with you because I know I can antagonize you just a little bit. You can see it if you watch, I mean, fourth wall, if you watch the preview. I keep moving on around. YouTube. Yeah. 
this camera that Drew's on right now, you just like, oh, we changed cameras. Let me move the microphone away from me. I, I was like, will he call me out on it in yeah. the moment? Not in the moment. So, guys, this weekend has been a lot. And so for those of you who don't understand quite what it's been like for the people, like for the people who don't understand why the game had to be moved, again, we're going on 60 inches of snow. And because the temperature's been in the single digits, there's no melt. It's not like any of this accumulation is going anywhere. It just keeps getting deeper. <laughs> so in this way, like, first of all, if you don't have a good, like, Mark Smith right now would do a fist pump, I'm going to give some free press for Pump Spy. Go buy one now. Because when all of this snow melts, everyone's basement's going to flood. If you don't have a good sump pump and you can't keep eyes on what's happening in your basement, you will flood. Your finished basements will all be screwed. If you don't be proactive about it, go get yourself a Pump Spy. You might not have a podcast studio if that happens. I know. You better go get a pump spy. Because if all of this, imagine having to rip out all this drywall and redo it. I mean, well, there's drywall on two sides. Yeah, but imagine having to rip it all out and then rehang it. Yeah, that'll be... <laughs> that would be a mess. That'll be annoying. We'd have to drag everything out of this room to do it. <sighs> might as well set it all on fire and start over again. Not but, a chance. But... So as this is all piling up, despite what some douchebag on Barstool Sports wants you to believe, it's been a mess here since Saturday night. And so we we kind of stumble into this. They move the football game. I myself was late, and we're going to talk about that later in the podcast because I have some things I'd like to say. But it was a mess from a procedural thing. Iman Azizi didn't even make it to the game. He was sick and too weak to shovel himself out of his house. <laughs> and so he had to sell his tickets. Mark Smith barely made it. He had to plow himself out. Me, I tried to do the smart thing. And this is where, Chris, I'm thinking that this is just karma. I tried to do the smart thing. So in the middle of the storm, all day Sunday, every six hours we'd get a break in the storm and I would go outside and I would completely clear my driveway. Cover my uncover my vehicle the whole nine because I was like I know that I need to get out of here early on Monday morning I need to be up I need to be able to clear one more time so we can all get out and then I need to get on the road so I can go tailgate for the game. Sure enough, day rolls around. I'm up. It's eight a.m. I'm out there. I'm snow blowing. It's going easy because it's all fresh powder. There's no like walled in caked stuff at the end of the driveway. There's a little bit from where the plow pushed it last, but it didn't matter because I'd been maintaining it. So I get out there. Everything's clear. The truck's packed. I'm ready to go. I am literally standing in the driveway, <laughs> getting ready to walk out to my truck. And I watched the loader come down the street and just scrape another three feet into the mouth of my driveway. And just drive away. Just drive away. And the things that I said in that moment, like I'm happy my children were inside. I'm happy my wife wasn't around. I'm happy there was nobody out there except for me. Because I said some things that like even in retrospect, I'm a man who has very few regrets in life. I look back at that and some of the things that I said about that guy who's just doing his job <laughs> and some of the things that I just, I don't even know who I was wishing ill will on. 
Just some of the things that I said out loud. It's like, man, if I could ever put that back, the world would be a much better place. So now I have to clear and I have to go. I get to the game. It's frigid. It's a cold-ass game. And after a while, the thing I try to explain to people, because they're like, well, how do you do that for so long? It's easy. You pour a little bit of bourbon on it, and you just accept the fact that you're cold. Chris, true or false, when you're out in frigid temperatures, after a certain amount of time, you just go numb, right? Yes. But also, I mean, I don't know if this we can clip this. We'll send it to him. We'll get a sponsor. Nothing better in this situation for tailgating than a Carhartt bib. Oh, 100%. You and I both have Carhartt bibs. If 100%. you don't have a bib, you're dumb. Get Carhartt. A, get a, yeah. Get Carhartt. specifically Carhartt. Get a Carhartt bib. Don't. They are the official pot. They are the official unofficial bib of the Rock Pile Report podcast. Because I'll tell you what, you don't wear you don't wear snow pants and come to a Rock Pile Report tailgate and set yourself on fire unless you're James Potter or Ben Kerr. <laughs> did he set himself on ben fire? Ben Kerr pulled the Potter. He set himself on fire. Yes, Ben, oh, I love you. God, he he pulled the Potter and we were all laughing about it. Just he his 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 friend brought like the double heater like tank topper heater yeah backed right into it <laughs> it got him on both sides it was awesome I like that we can call it pulling a potter I mean he started it he did it like once every season for like four in a row uh, those heaters missed Potter they had to get somebody. It was a game, and it was a lot of fun, and it was a hell of a day, and the stadium was perfect. Like, I, I don't care what anybody says. Like, everything everything about the day made all of my struggles to get there. Nobody the shoveled sh- our seats? No, but that was okay. It was okay. We were all okay. Which, I digress. The game itself, if we want to dissect and recap what we saw on the football field, because here's what I know. In the stands, Chris, people throwing snow to celebrate touchdowns and scores, iconic, right? Like, that's a Buffalo thing. You're not going to see that in most other football stadiums. Yeah. But that's a regular occurrence here. And when the Bills score that first touchdown, you just see snow being thrown in the air and like, there's that video that's now kind of gone viral of the people sitting in the press box just taking the cell phone video of, like, all of the snow just being tossed around, at the, like confetti, like that right there. Like, that's Buffalo, in a nutshell. Hey, sure, we got hit by a blizzard. Hey, everything sucks, and it was probably really hard for everybody who's here to get here and be a part of this. We do not care. <laughs> We're out here having a ball, and that's what it's all about. Now, the Bills football team had a ball. And if I want to start the recap, we're going to do it with the stats of the game. I'll hit you with a couple quick ones. First of all, four touchdowns by four different players. A.J. Klein and Dorian Williams, 19 tackles, 12 solo. They led the team for both. Wide receiver Khalil Shakir, three catches on three targets for 31 yards, one touchdown, and two first downs. Chris, it's almost like every time the guy touches the ball, something good happens. Right? Yeah. Okay. Correct. If you want to look at just the quarterback statistics, Mason Rudolph, 22 of 39, 229, two touchdowns, one pick, one sack. 
80 passer rating. Two rushes for 16 yards for Mason Rudolph. Josh Allen, 21 of 30, 203, three tutties, no picks, two sacks, eight rushes for 74 yards and a touchdown. QBR 121.9, 41 points higher than Mason Rudolph. Kyir Elam. Kyir Elam. Man. He didn't know he had that pick. <laughs> he didn't know. If if you watch that replay, he he like turns around and he just Mason Rudolph just hit him in the hands okay. on that pick. Kyrie Lum, three targets, one reception for twelve yards. Guys, you want to talk about this game? And I think I mean there's a couple places there's a couple places I could start, but I guess I want to say this. Kudos to Sean McDermott. There is a reason that Sean McDermott has the track record against inexperienced quarterbacks. Like, there's a reason he has that. And he put that on display during this game. There there was a play early, early in the game, where he crowds the line with everybody. And so it kind of looks like there's a blitz coming. Dane Jackson split out wide. I think it's Deontay Johnson on the side. And it's an easy hitch route. You know, Mason Rudolph's looking at this pre-snap going, I've got this. That's fine. They're going to blitz. It doesn't matter because I'm going to throw to a spot. My guy's going to be there. The pressure's going to come. I'm going to wait for my guy to break, and I'm going to throw, and he's just going to come back to the ball. It's going to be an easy pitch and catch first down. And you've got Micah Hyde on the edge of the formation. He's a safety down at the line of scrimmage showing blitz. So all of a sudden the snap comes and Hyde bails out into the shallow flat and just undercuts that wide receiver. And you just saw Mason Rudolph's head explode and he throws the ball about 10 yards over the receiver's head out of bounds. That's the reason that you can't bring an inexperienced quarterback in here against Sean McDermott. He already knows what your quarterback wants to do. And he's going to try to bait him into some things. Now, if Hyde was faster and Mason Rudolph was dumb enough to let that ball go, that could very well be an interception. (laughs) He sets you up for things that he goes, you haven't seen this level of manipulation yet. And that's why I'm able to take advantage of all these young quarterbacks that I come across. Because you, you know you don't respect NFL game speed yet. And at the same time, you also don't know how quickly this look can shift. You don't know the athletes that I have. You've never seen a safety at the line all of a sudden be out there in front of that guy. You've just never seen it. Or you haven't seen it often enough that you know to be ready for it. And in that way, like that right there, it's the the recognition skill of the quarterback playing a Sean McDermott defense has to be incredibly sharp or else you're not going to move the football well. And... He continued his aggressive streak, both on defense and offense. Like, defense, you look at the production, or at least what we got out of this team early, and the way we suppressed the Steelers. The end of the first quarter, the Bills had 111 yards, the Steelers had less than 40. They had two passes batted at the line of scrimmage. They only had one trip across the 50. 
for an entire quarter of football. And that came after the Fryermuth fumble that should have stood. Like, we all know what a fumble looks like. Nine first-half rushes in the first half of the game for three or fewer yards. For a team that's powered by the run, the Bills just came in and said, fine, we're taking this shit away. Like, you want to look at the statistics. Najee Harris, 37 yards on 12 rushes. Jalen Warren, eight rushes for 38 yards. We gave them nothing. And it goes back to our preview show, right? EJ talked about it. He said, if you guys are strong up the middle and they can't dislodge Daquan Jones and Linville Joseph and these D tackles that you're going to throw out there, running duo and trying to run up the middle. That clip I put out? Yep. The clip you clipped and put out. The um, It's going to be a very Yeah, what he said? Day. He said, uh, Daquan Jones gets his hands on Najee. Steelers got nothing. This is it. And you look at what happened over and over and over again. The Steelers' interior line really struggled, really, really struggled to get the running backs involved in the offense. And you kind of knew that was going to be a death knell right right there for them. They couldn't sustain an offensive approach through the running because of the job our D-tackles did in just not allowing their, their linemen to dislodge them, to move past them and climb to the linebacker level. Some of the biggest plays they got on offense came from throwing to a running back. You know, they'd throw to a running back and get a eight yard pickup and that got a first down. Or they, I think there was one for Jalen Warren that had like, I think his one catch was 16 yards. The one he caught. I think another one just went for nothing at the line of scrimmage, but he caught one for 16 yards. And I remember being in the stands talking to Ryan Lacell from Rock Sports. He was there at the game. He took one of our tickets. So we're standing there, and he goes, I think that's all they have. <laughs> no, I, th- I think a pitch and catch to the running back might be their offense right now. That's all they have going for him. Because nothing's materializing down the field. Our pass rush is working a little bit. Rudolph seems out of sorts. And I think one of the things I point to, I talked about the, the passing charts and just what the how they'd stop taking shots downfield as often. And that's kind of how they protected these leads. Well, that, that's cool if you can hold a scratch game or if you can get the lead. But if you can't and you need to take some big swings, they just weren't there. I mean, what he was, what, 5 for 8, 10, 11, 5 for 11 on passes of more than 10 yards. That's it. Nothing over 20. It's just one of those things where... You knew Mason Rudolph was limited, and you knew if your defense could do a good enough job, you were going to hem them in and give your offense the space to do it needed. Now, with that being said, holy shit, did the de- did the depth of this team step to the forefront and kind of illustrate why we were touted as Super Bowl contenders at the beginning of the year? Chris, the teams, like, when you call a team like Miami a Super Bowl contender, a team like the Jets, a Super Bowl contender. I know you're not actually serious about the practice of prognostication because what you were assuming, and we said this way back in September when we were doing our AFC's Roundup podcasts with all of our guests, Scott Mason, Elf Artiaga, talking about this idea that your rosters are literally sandcastles that are built right next to the water. 
if the tide rolls in, you guys are absolutely shot because you you have no depth to sustain injuries in a lot of key areas like the offensive line. Both teams suffered those. On the defense, cool, you have cornerback depth. What happens if you start taking linebacker losses? <clears throat> what happens if your pass rushers all dry up on you? You have nothing. All of these things materialized. Well, guess what? All of these things materialized for Buffalo in this game. Literally as it started and as it got off the ground, this game quickly saw a whole bunch of backups that we're not used to relying on thrust into action. And the way that they conducted themselves tells you everything you need to know about the way that they're prepared and the actual depth that exists on this team. Like, that's Super Bowl caliber depth. Dorian Williams comes in. Is he perfect? No. But he's flying around the field, making hits, just punishing people. I mean, he was the one who laid the hit that I think knocked Allen Robinson out of the game. He looked fast. And that's the thing I always look at is like, do you like there's speed? Everyone goes, well, you run this for a four, four. Sure. But what's your play speed? And what happens when you reach your destination? Now, like that Allen Robinson throw, I'm looking at it now, negative one yard. In total, he gave up four catches on four targets for 32 yards. I could live with that, couldn't you? Yeah. From a rookie third-round pick linebacker? Uh, you can see, after watching Tyrell Dodson play for an entire season, Dorian Williams is athletically on a whole different scale than that guy. He's a quick flow to the ball and hit you with some pop type linebacker. He came in and just, like I said, watching it in real time, you get an appreciation for how fast he is. It's Milano and Bernard-esque in terms of his play speed. And that's encouraging because we're going to need a guy who can do that. But then you look at A.J. Klein. Holy shit. I saw a tweet from Brother Bill. Brother Bill put out a tweet where he goes, Someday, when my kids are thinking about quitting something or they run into adversity, I'm going to remind them of... He's like, I'm going to tell them the story about A.J. Klein and his quest to remain somehow a member of the Buffalo Bills roster. This guy, and that's a funny joke, like, hey, stick with it, never stop trying, don't quit. Except this guy, like, you want to talk about a lunatic, he was literally in the middle of packing up an RV to take a family trip to the Florida Keys. And his phone rings, and it's the Bills, and they go, hey, we've got some depth issues at linebacker, and we might need you. Hey, you haven't been on the roster in... Well, when when did we release him? Do you know? Can you Google that? Google for me when they released AJ Klein. Oh, look at that. I was already looking oh. at him. Because, you know why I was looking at him? Because this is how old this podcast is. Scroll down. Hold on. This is how old this podcast is. Started the Carolina, then he went to the Saints. You can go back to a podcast that we did in 16 when he became a free agent and Drew was like... Uh, give me some AJ AJ Klein for a mm-hmm. linebacker. Yep, it's irritating, and that he eventually <laughs> he eventually came here. But yeah, there. 
There's this. St- he got released on uh, March 8th. Hang on. So we, we cut the- him, right? So we cut him March 8th. This year he comes back. We for 2022 makes a start. Whatever. August 29th we cut him. Resigned him to the practice squad. Gets brought up in October. Released on December 9th. January 11th, he signs with the practice squad. Dodson gets hurt. Klein gets elevated to the team three days later. We go, hey, I need you. <laughs> you got to come up here for a bit. Here's where this gets crazy. And he hasn't played since October in like a game. Yep. It's 100% different with the game situation. And so he's on the sideline going, all right, I'm here. I'm here if you need me. I'll run a little special teams. Like, cool. I'm just, I'm happy you guys need me because, hey, I'm, I want to win a ring. I'm here. Whatever you need, coach. And then Terrell Bernard goes down. And then Balin Spector goes down and you go, holy shit, who are our linebackers? And you've got AJ Klein who's like, don't worry, give me the dot. Give me the mic. Give it to me. Give me the microphone, baby. Give me the speaker. I'm going to make this thing happen. He goes out there. Like, first of all, he didn't. Hey, almost had, almost had to put Tyler Matakevich in at linebacker. Here's that's how bad this was getting. Here's what I love. And it's a joke that's like waiting to be told. It's a lot like, uh, like, this is a guy who, like, he led the team in tackles for the game. He called all the plays. And he's just been floating around the roster just trying to get back and trying to get back and trying to get on the field. And he gets his phone call. He's like, absolutely. I'll drop everything and come do this. Like, maybe that's the benefit of having a guy who just hangs around your franchise like Sean Astin and Rudy. Just with less floor sweeping. Like, he just hangs around like... Just give me a chance. And he gets it. And he has a hell of a game. It was amazing. Cam Lewis steps in for Teron Johnson. Wasn't pretty. I mean, he did give up that touchdown catch to uh, Kelvin Austin. But you're you're being asked to fill in all pro shoes. The same way Terrell Bernard. And the same way A.J. Klein. And he didn't kill us. How about Kyrie Elam? How about Kyrie Elam? Can we have a conversation about that? Here's a guy who in a game where you go, wait a minute, we lost Christian Benford. We're already down to Rasul Douglas. Fuck, what do we do? All right, we've got an Elam. We didn't trade him. We didn't cut him. We didn't leave him on IR to languish for the season the way a lot of fans might have liked to have seen him do. He goes out there and has... Did he make mistakes? Sure. He's not perfect. He's not polished. He's not going to be. And yet at the same time, it's like the Miami game all over again last year in the playoffs where you're like, man, I just need a fucking play. Who's the guy who steps up? He finds himself in the right place at the right time, but he makes the play. He's there. He's in position. He knows to undercut the route. It... That interception in the end zone, Chris, the, the the way that place popped, and I watched them. They gave him that ball. 
Now, you know that a trainer held that for him. Oh, yeah. That's special right there, man. Like, he is the prodigal fucking cornerback. <laughs> the prodigal cornerback who he's been cast off to the scrap heap. He's been put, he, he's been essentially exiled. Now, his injury held him back, and they said, hey, let, let's let you get healthy and also shrewdly let's protect our roster because we don't want to have to put a guy like Benford out there. We don't want to have guys who we think Benford's a starter, even though we drafted him after you. Doesn't matter. Let's shut you down for a while. Let's let this happen. Let's slow play your acclimation back to the team because we don't know if you're ready. Well, now we don't have a choice. we got to throw you out there. He almost had two picks. Did you see that second one? No, I don't remember that. On the sideline, he kind of did like the toe tap thing, and he was so worried about getting his feet down that he just didn't bring it in. That's it. He could have had two interceptions on the day. How much would those plays change the narrative around him? I mean, it can. There's This happens sometimes in, in hockey where you have a top pick as in Kyer Elam. I think it happens more often in hockey where you give up on a guy too early and then you just trade him for maybe something for the playoffs that you need at the deadline. I'm kind of glad that we that we've hung on to Elam because yeah. there's you can never have enough cornerbacks on your team. Case in point, Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas was a cornerback who was drafted pretty high, never met his expectation, bounced around to a couple different teams. But look at him now. He's here in Buffalo filling in for Trey White, who is a, an all-pro. And he, he plays a different style of football. He's not the same guy, but he's doing the job. And it's in this way that it's like, these are the types of games. You don't think that that kid has has confidence now? Isn't this the same kid who I think people forget picked off Patrick Mahomes last year in our win in Kansas City? Picked him off in the end zone. Miami in the playoffs. Interception. Late in the game when we really needed something to break our way. This is a guy who has ball skills it's almost like a Robert Bland type thing where you might not be the best cornerback, but your ball skills and your aggressiveness are going to keep you in this conversation. And if you can ever just hone the rest of this, there's an upshot for you here that could be incredible. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what he brought to the table on Sunday. And then Khalil Shakir, game ceiling touchdown on a ridiculous grab. Not that he's ever been, like, he's been a consistent part of the offense, but he's been a backup, and then you lose Gabe Davis. And you go, well, shit, where do we go with all of our targets now? Every time you put the ball in Shakir's hands, something good happens. I don't think... Dude, I put this in our in our group chat. We have a group chat with bootleg football. Anytime I see something Shakir does like this, I think of Brett Coleman and how high he was on... Shakir out of the draft. That those of you guys I don't want to see it. Brett Coleman has an entire video devoted to Khalil Shakir, and then was like, "You guys should watch this as soon as we drafted him." Also, there's a cocktail in that video that Brett did on Khalil Shakir. I don't know where he got the uh, information on Loganberry syrup, but uh, you can <laughs> I you, you can figure. It. I don't know how he stayed up on that touch on that touchdown. The, For, I mean. 
him staying up was amazing. Even better was that dickhead from the Steelers that tackled Stephon Diggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who thought he had the ball. Yeah, Miles Jack is kind of a piece of shit, but th- this game was weird because we somehow came out the bad guys, even though there was a lot of cheesiness going on from the Steelers players. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I mean, I guess like all of this is to say that the depth of our roster, like they've never really gotten their their due, but holy shit, did these guys show out in this one? One of the best games I've seen from our depth taking over from an injury perspective. With how many injuries, like I was not going to watch the rest of that game if Tyler Matikavich came in at linebacker. I didn't want to see that at all. With Bernard's injury, Specter's injury, I mean, what Bernard was what carted off. Yes. Right, the fact that he didn't have a broken ankle and it was what's reported that it's a sprain. Mm-hmm. Our our depth showed out for this game, and it's amazing to see. Kudos to uh, Bean and his scouting staff for being able to find people in the draft or within free agency. Well, and look at Klein. Like, if you want to talk about what embodies like stepping up. <clears throat> Klein late in the game, big moment, big moment, big play. He's matched up in coverage with Jalen Warren, and you go, "Holy shit, that's a mismatch!" And it's just a short little out route that if AJ Klein can't make this tackle, then Warren's off. It's a first down, but it might even be more than that. Nothing, just catches him and rides him down. <laughs> just rides him right to the ground. I think he held it for like a, what was it? I think it was like a no gain at the line of scrimmage type play where all they needed was three forces a punt. Like that's the type of shit that wins you football games. Having guys who you can trust in those moments and say, listen, I know you're physically overmatched, but I need you. I need you to be smart. I need you to be reliable. I need to know that I can trust you in this moment. And they go out there and they execute. I think I'm dead. That's the one thing I'm the most proud about this Bills team for is just the way that our depth that's been cultivated by this GM and this coaching staff showed up in this game. Kind of just everybody coming off the bench to try to pitch in and help win a home playoff game. Now, the one thing I will say, like, you look at the old guys that were left on that unit 
And then you look at the coaching. Like, this was Von Miller's second highest snap percentage of the season. And everyone goes, oh, he had a great game. He was in on some almost plays. I don't know what to believe. A part of me wants to believe he might be turning a corner. And maybe this is where he's becoming a shadow of what he used to be. Because he's been non-existent forever. For, a, for, for most of the season. I don't want to get ahead of myself. At the same time, I do think that you just have to look at what the rest of this D-line is and say to yourself, okay, in a game like this, who else do I have, Chris? Kingsley Jonathan doesn't do much for me in this matchup, does it? Doesn't sound like it. If I can get a timely pass rush when it matters, I want to roll the dice that maybe Von Miller can still bring some juice. And this game showed that maybe he might still have a little something left. I don't know what. We're going to see it. You look at Sean McDermott. Look at the way he went for it on fourth down on our side of the 50. I almost got choked up. I was like... It's like he listens to you. But it's just like, he's learning. Yes. It's, It's like... For me, it's like a Rocky montage. Like, in the fight, when he's like... You always see him, he gets beat up early. And then he starts to power his way back through the middle rounds. And I'm like... And then he starts to really pick up steam towards the end when the other guy's getting tired. I feel like McDermott hit that lull. And it's like, he's learned it. He understands now. You gotta start throwing haymakers. (laughs) Do you think in that situation, when there's like a critical spot and we got the ball in offense... And it's one of those situations where it's like, oh, should we go for it? Should we kick it, play field position? It's almost like Josh Allen walks up to him on the sideline and goes, hey, hey, take a breath. Let's think about this. (laughs) Who do you trust in this situation? Me or Balin Spector? Me or A.J. Klein? Me or Kyir Elam? How about we go for it? All right. I trust you. Go get that first down. (laughs) That's funny because hearing you say that, all I can think of is the song Trust by Prince that was in the Batman movie. Do you remember that? No. Batman movie? The the original Batman with Michael Keaton? I don't know if I've seen that. What? (laughs) Are you out of your mind? Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. You've never seen the Michael Keaton Batman? I know he's widely regarded as the uh, OG King Daddy Topper of Batmans. I'm not into that super superhero bullshit. The things that I want to throw across this room, right? If we didn't pay so much money for all this equipment, I would fucking trash this place and storm out. <laughs> Oh, my God. Like a rock star in the 90s, I would flip that TV, I'd throw that one off the balcony, and I'd be out of here. I mean, it would be pretty amazing just to see you on camera pull out, like, a Crocodile Dundee knife and cut your XLR cable and just pounce. (laughs) Maybe someday. I just like the way that this team was decisive. You know, McDermott, the way he had the D coached up early, the way our offense just never really took its foot off the gas. We knew in critical moments, like when it started to bog down, 
and things got tight, we said, fine, okay, then we're just going for it. We're going for it every opportunity we get. And we were tone setters. We set the tone of that football game from Jump Street. Knox, Knox is now, what, has the first touchdown of the postseason in, every, what, four straight seasons? Four straight seasons, he has scored the first touchdown of the first game every year. Like, the makeup of our position groups on offense, you want to talk about this. You have you don't need Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is out, and everyone goes, oh, man, what are we going to do? That's fine. You put Trent Sherfield out there, and then they say, well, Sherfield's a blocker. He doesn't really get up. You're right. He won't, but I don't need that because I've got a Knox. I've got a Kincaid. I've got a Shakir. I've got a James Cook. I almost don't, like... I need a little bit from Stefan Diggs because he's good enough to beat it when beat people even when the defense is keying on him. And then I just need everybody else to do their jobs. You know, I almost went to Twitter during the game when Kincaid had his touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I almost went and grabbed the video of that touchdown catch and then pieced it in with our famous Nate Geary clip. It would be, (laughs) I think you still need to. If he scores against the Chiefs this week, you need to do it. You have to. It would be the greatest piece of production you've ever, you've ever, you've ever assembled. I guess if there's like, I don't want to be a downer. If there's a question I can ask, because it's not all sunshine and rainbows, is Tyler Bass broken? Like what's happening here? Sorry, I'm eating potato chips. Yeah, I no. Yeah, you know, Super Mexican loves it when uh, we a professional podcast chews into the microphone. Throw me a chip. I'll throw you the bag. I don't know that what that one that he that he hit. Um, he shanked it wide left. I think that was just a that was crazy. I think that was just like a him miss hitting the ball. Like, it's so much stuff that. It was a no-look pass. <laughs> so much stuff that we get to learn from Reed about snapping and the continuity between the snapper and the holder and the kicker and the timing of the kicks. I mean, I'm still going to trust Ty ba- Tyler Bass. In, uh, in si- like If it comes down to a game-winning field goal situation, I'm going to trust Tyler Bass to make that fucking kick. If not, I expect Reed to take his head off. His kicks are mechanically awkward, though, and the results are kind of wonky. You know what else is mechanically awkward? Your teeth. <laughs> I should have been ready for that, but I wasn't. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm nervous because I see that like we've seen kickers over the years who hit a rough patch and never come out of it. I think about like Mike Vanderjack. That was awful. He spent so many years being one of the most reliable kickers on earth. Contract extension after contract extension, and then he misses one kick in the playoffs, and his entire career just tailspins. He ends up getting cut halfway through a season with the Dallas Cowboys. Like, it was bad. Go to Wikipedia and look at the struggles of Mike Vanderjack. He fell off the face of the earth quickly. Who else? 2003, 100% on kicking. 04, 80%. Oh five ninety two percent, 
Uh, and then 06, 72%. And that was his last year in the league here. I'll, I'll drag this over. And he was finished. Look at that. <laughs> finished. There's, his, it, look, there's look, his stats. 2003, he was a pro bowler. Yeah, he didn't miss a kick. He missed one kick. And his career just deteriorated. And after that, Indy was like, well, we can't have this. we got to go get Vinatieri. They get Vinatieri. He goes to Dallas. He continues to suck at Dallas. And Dallas is finally like, all right, you know what? We don't even need you. You get 10 games. We don't even need you for the whole season. We're going to cut you before the end because we don't know what to do with you. I got another one for you. Blair Walsh, mm-hmm. Vikings, missed a 19-yard field goal. Missed a 19-yard field goal in the playoffs. Over. Never was a functional kicker again. Like, it can happen. People talk about the yips. It's like it's a joke. It's not. It can get you. And so there's a part of me that fears a little bit that something might be going on mechanically with Tyler Bass, and if that's the case, we are in a lot of trouble. Because you're going to be in games where you... Like, this is a game where every single point matters coming up against the Kansas City Chiefs. I need to know what they're going to do to make that better. And I don't know that you can fix it. I think it's a Tyler Bass issue. And kickers are a lot like goalies, Chris. It's a very mental thing. Yeah, you got to be mentally focused. Maybe you should change the, the location of his eye black. Here's what I love. We're eating on a podcast. We're also eating rippled chips. Because if you eat smooth chips... Chris, I remember I brought smooth chips over to your house once, and you looked at me, and you were like, are you okay? Do you need a loan? <laughs> you were like, no, I can I buy food for you. I can be your food stamp. <laughs> you were like, I saw those chips and just assumed you bought them with an unemployment check. And it remains one of the funniest things you've ever said. Yeah, the production quality of this podcast is strictly professional in the in the quality part. Yeah, the content. The content we're part. We're still we're still horses asses. Is not it's not yeah. a thing that we do. Realistically, this game was amazing because everybody who needed to play a killer role did. Everyone who was asked to step up who didn't think they would have a role in this game stepped up, was coachable, understood what the game plan was. They executed it at a high level. That's a Super Bowl team. Every single person who was on the sideline waiting around was ready to come in, take a starting job, and make something happen to be reliable when we needed you. I think that's the stamp of the game. Like For all of the stuff that I've said about Sean McDermott this year, the fact that he was able to make wine out of water with what was a cast of... A crazy number of sideline additions to his game day defense in the middle of a wild card playoff game and still walk out of there with a victory like that speaks volumes to the way that he coaches, to the way that the depth is coached, the talent and the experience of the depth. I just, I don't know. I I look at this and I think to myself, there's a lot worse places Right with a quarterback like Josh Allen, who when you see that run, that's a demoralizer, isn't it? You as the opposing team, you're finished. Mental, like you might go out there and play the next three quarters, and you're a 
a mentally tough team because you're a Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin coach defense. But when you get the ball run down your throat like that by a quarterback. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. A fake slide. <laughs> There's a hilarious tweet. Go look at Rockball Report. I just retweeted it earlier today. It's some guy sarcastically said, oh, look, I found every single fake slide that Josh Allen's had since 2018. It's our guy Joe Shad. No, 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 no. This is just another guy who made a parody video that's just Josh Allen running people over. Oh, <laughs> it's nice. just Josh Allen just running train on everybody. He goes, here's every fake slide, guys. Does it look weird? Does this look familiar to you? Joe Shad, that guy, he needs to get some help. Either way. When you have that guy on your offense who's just unstoppable, and then you have these guys who come in off the bench and just execute at a high level, you're not going to beat that team, especially on the road. And that's why I'm excited about what's to come this week, even with the wave of injuries. I'm excited about what's in store for the Bills this coming week. Now, if we have to give out Hero and Zero the game, I want to start with the heroes, but I want to start with an honorable mention. The honorable mention this week goes to Bob Everly. And uh, I've never met that guy. Yeah, which is hilarious to me. He's been at a tailgate that I've been. I've never physically met him. It's because you're antisocial and you're kind of an idiot. But I still love you. Bob and Jason Dietro. Those two guys literally held it down. Because here I am trying to get out of my house on Sunday morning. I'm like, you son of a bitch in a loader. I, in fact, I'm yelling, and at one point, he stopped. And it was just this quick back and forth. And he, I was just like, what the fuck? And I bet you if I had had a casual conversation with him and just been peaceable about it, he might have fixed it. And instead, I remember saying the words, I'd kill you if it wasn't for this snowbank. And he goes, yeah, well, you can't. <laughs> and I was like, well, all right. I guess that's my ass. I'm the jerk in this scenario, I guess. So I clear it. We did, we go about our business. But I'm late. I'm late to the tailgate. I forget my charcoal chimney. It's like, everything's wrong. Iman's not going to be there. I don't know what's happening. We're missing food. It's It's just a disaster. It could have been one of the worst tailgates of all time. And instead, Bob and Jason, who don't really know each other, they just know that, like, hey, we're part of this group. And so we tell the guy at the lot that we're part of Grills Mafia. They, he parks us in the back next to each other. The two of them have this all sorted out by the time I get there. They've got heaters set up kind of close to each other. The way they're set up was set up. Bob's truck's here. The truck's here. There's a tent against the side of that truck. I set a table up in there. We got the whole thing going in no time after I got there. And even then, like, it wasn't extravagant, but it worked. And I have them to thank for it. I've spent years where I didn't have people that I could rely on for the tailgate stuff. Now, obviously, years before our tailgate wasn't much of anything. It was just it was me, Dan Potter some guys hanging out with a tent and some tables and a bunch of beer. A shitty Coleman propane grill that you can't really cook on because those things are impossible to clean. So a lot of what we ate just came out of tins. No one knew how to cook on charcoal. It's not what it is now in terms of food and in terms of the crowd and in terms of preparation. The people, the preparation. 
it's not any of that. Some of the niceties we don't have, we never had TVs with the early games when we play at you know four thirty or what have you. So there's just like it's been a while, and it really did strike a chord with me that these two guys and their wives and girlfriends and people just kind of showed up and made this thing happen to a degree that all I had to do was show up and open my truck and hop out, light a grill. I I love them for that. I am incredibly thankful that we've cultivated a group of people who I'm very comfortable referring to as friends. We're men of the people. Who, We're out there tailgating we can do amongst everyone. I, I just... So, Bob, Jason, this one's for you. That Rick House is really good. But to... To the official hero of the week, it's got to be the stadium cleanup crew. I don't take it personally, all right? Franchise star players are a lot like Highlanders. There can only be one. 71 people. 71 people came together for $20 an hour. Worked through the night. Like, I think they, in fact, now I've been corrected by someone, some Dolphins fan on Twitter that our local government relaxed the travel ban specifically so drivers could get to the stadium to work through the night to shovel out the concourses and to shovel out the, the main walkways and make sure that the stadium was suitable to have people in it. Chris, those guys, like that's a... Everyone goes, well, they got paid, whatever. I can tell you a million things I've done for $20 an hour. That's not one of them. Would you go to the stadium and shovel snow for $20 an hour? If I was single, yes. But but you're not single. So would you right now, where you are in life? No. Not at all. I'm sure there's a million guys who once upon a time would do that. I would do that. Except I'm not there anymore. I'm not available to that degree. That's a million of us. That's most people who attend a football game. And yet... You found 71 individuals who were willing to sacrifice their time. I, I don't want to be hyperbolic and say they sacrificed their safety. But they went into a situation knowing what was at stake and loving the fact that they wanted to see this football game get played, point blank and period. And they sacrificed their time and their energy to make it happen. I respect the hell out of that. I really do. I think that that deserves, like, we don't get to have that day if those guys don't sacrifice their time. And it's easy to talk about it and say, well, they got paid. Sure, I, get, I could get paid to do a million things. It doesn't mean I'm going to go out in the, in the freezing cold and just do a bunch of hard physical labor to ensure that a football game can get played. That's gutsy. And so we wouldn't have gotten to have that experience were it not for the efforts of those people. So for them, guys, to everybody who participated, you guys are my hero. Like that, you made my day possible. And I'm genuinely grateful for that. And so that brings us to this week's zero of the week. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. 
Chris, I know it kills you that I'm about to do this. It 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 really kills you, doesn't it? This week's zero of the week is Steve Maths. He hosts the, uh, what, the Bills guys or the Air Raid Hour, whatever the fuck they're calling themselves now. I believe it's Mathis. Mathis, Maths, who gives a shit, from Cover One. Can you, I have some questions on this. Sure, of course you do. Can you? It's a guy that you seem to enjoy, who you see me. I don't have a problem. I don't have a. No, but you're looking at the phone and you're going, wait a minute, what's happening here? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have have a problem with, with Steve at all. I so, I don't have a problem with Steve. Wh- let me ask, can you answer a, a couple questions for me? <laughs> he was mad that they paid people 20 bucks an hour. No. No? No. What was he mad about? So, there is a tweet, which is bookmarked, which I'd like you to kind of put in the, uh, if you can throw it up there for the y'all too, but I'll read it for the, the listeners. Total systems failure from the Bills organization. Fans who don't want to go should be fully refunded, and Terry should have to swallow that. All of the things they could have done to incentivize people to get there and help, they offer the bare minimum. This is unacceptable. Now, you need to kind of understand the context of this complaint of his. Your talk, he followed it up with a comment about $35 an hour, credit at the bill store, tickets next year, bring them on the field next year before a game to honor them for helping out. The list goes on and on. This team did the bare minimum, and now fans will be sitting in unsafe conditions. Now, I bristle at this a little bit. First and foremost, because the thing you're talking about You don't know about the thing you speak. One of the things that I guess his podcast partner tried to throw in my face as we were going down this Twitter thing. I don't understand how social media beef works anymore. I'm used to just being able to say shitty things to people because I do it in real life. I say a thing to you. You say a thing back to me. We eventually sort it out through conversation or we just, I don't know, we fight about it. Now I'm old. That doesn't happen anymore because we're all adults. And it's the thing about the internet, you, everybody, you read tweets <laughs> in a different manner than what they were sent out as. Context matters. But that's the problem. Is so then it was one of those things where what is your context? And I'm reading through this and I go, okay. So when I read this, wh- this thing of you telling them that these people are doing the bare minimum and this whole thing and their response is unacceptable. You're cheapening what these 71 people just did. The way that they busted their asses to make this game happen, you're right. These people should be championed. But to then rail about how this is unacceptable and this is going to be unsafe and people shouldn't be going to this game. What do you know? You live in Arizona. You abandoned the Buffalo area. You're a teacher now. Great. Wonderful. You left the Buffalo area. You live in Arizona, but you're talking about snow and what you think is unsafe you're talking about things from a second half point of view, a second hand point of view. You're you're taking second hand information and then forming this really hyperbolic opinion about it and then spewing it on social media to all of your followers, which was hilarious, Chris, because that was one of the biggest things was all the people who are sycophants of these two and like like reached out 
and tried to like defend his honor. Be like, well, you know, he was a 14 year season ticket holder and he's a Western New Yorker through and through. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. What I care about is a guy who doesn't live here, who lives in the middle of a desert talking about snow being unsafe. And I go, this really isn't that much different. I was there. I was there and I know that the stadium wasn't more or less unsafe than it was during any other snowy period of time. And if you feel differently, tweet at me. Let me know. Reach out. Make yourself heard. But so then we went down this hole of this is a guy who's not just mad about this. He's also had an axe to grind about everything. Everything related to the stadium. The fact that he doesn't agree with it not being domed. The fact that he thought it should be downtown. Everything is a diatribe with this guy when it comes to the stadium. And I go, first of all, you're, you were proven wrong. <laughs> That's why they're building it where they're building it. Second of all, you won't let that go. And so instead, every time something comes up and you see an opportunity to grind your axe, you're going to. And at the same time, you're the first person to jump on social media and try to drag Tyler Dunn for what you call writing a hit piece about our head coach. Aren't you doing the same thing? Aren't you a giant hypocrite finding every single opportunity to grind an axe that you have that almost has nothing to do with this current situation, but you're mad about something. And so every time there's an adverse situation, you're going to bring it up and you're going to try to make it seem like you're coming from a place of, I don't know, I don't want to call it altruism. You, you're, I see you. I know what you're doing. And so we got into this back and forth. And realistically, what I hate is people who do this. They try to armchair quarterback what an NFL franchise should do. Chris, what what should the team have done? Moved the game? I mean, <laughs> refused to play? They moved the game? No, I mean, like, move the site. Move or, the site. Take it out of Buffalo, then. Oh, go to Pittsburgh? Yeah, sure. Why not? Would that make the uh, the Steve Maths of the world happy? Sure. Hey, now you don't have to deal with the unsafe conditions anymore. I know. Why don't we just move the football team somewhere where it never snows? You'll never have to hear about it again. Would that make you happy? What I don't like is what I, is someone who, like, it's this thing of no one asked you, right? No one asked you to, like, it's the it's like he's trying to be the Lorax, <laughs> for a group of people who I speak for the trees. The trees didn't ask you to speak for us in this instance. You don't need to go to the mattresses and make these grandstanding social gestures. Like it's virtue signaling for a bunch of people who didn't ask you to do it on their behalf. 70,000 people still showed up at that game and had a great time. So who are you complaining on behalf of then, Chris? <laughs> I just thought he was mad that they gave him 20 bucks an hour. No, it, it goes far beyond that. And so it's, it's... Well, my thing would have been, if you're mad that they're paying $20 an hour, what's the median income for Buffalo? <laughs> Do you know off the top of your head? No, but I bet you it, I can find it out before you can. I'll look it up on the uh, census website. $24,694 back in 2020. That's uh, not bad. This here, the census. Well, that's individual. Household is 39. Household here says 46.1. So my thing would be, okay, 46.1 is kind of low. Am I wrong to think that that might be you're working at an hourly rate? Is that wrong? Yeah. 
Am I am I wrong on that? You're not being mean. That that is correct. You're probably, probably correct. I am on an hourly rate. Yes, you are. I was told we're closed on uh, Sunday. Don't come in to the manufacturing facility. I didn't get paid for those twelve hours that I missed. So I wouldn't be surprised if a majority of those seventy-one people are working at an hourly rate and they're missing pay. But they might also live in proximity to the stadium and they can go down there safely and shovel and get 20 bucks an hour and recoup pay that they lost. Because how many how many businesses that stayed open during uh, this blizzard paid their hourly employees? Probably not. Probably none of them. I didn't get paid. Nope. And I make damn good money for an hourly rate. Yeah. So... I just It's people trying to make a fucking buck. Let it go. And this is what makes me mad. Is you've got someone who not only doesn't live here, and, and again it's the it's knowing where he's coming from. It's this thing of you've been anti stadium, you've been anti everything, you've been anti Pagula on everything for a, a very long time, and you take the every opportunity that's afforded to you to poke holes and poke fun and to try, try to again, you're using your pla- social media platform which I was reminded by your sycophants multiple times about how much bigger you are than me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about any of this. I'll burn that Twitter account to the ground tomorrow, Chris. You know it, too. Is there ever a fear of yours that one of these days I'm just going to do it? No. Like one day I we, mean, just, we just won't actually be allowed back on the platform. And I won't care. Doesn't matter to me. What I hate is that a guy who engages in this carpetbaggery where you don't live here... Like, I've said this before. If you don't live here in New York State and pay taxes, and you don't attend the games regularly, then I don't care what your opinion is on what happens here. I'm, I reserve the right to ignore it completely. I took issue with this one thing, and he turned it into an entire diatribe. And for that, you're the biggest loser of the week, because realistically, you're just a guy who cribbed his entire style from Adam Conover. Adam ruins everything. Well, this is Steve ruins everything. Steve tries to ruin everything about a football team and a football stadium and a bunch of people coming together to try to make a game happen in inclement weather. You somehow have to find the negative in that. Instead of finding the silver lining of, hey, everything about this situation was tough and it sucked, but a group of people came together, busted their asses, not for the $20, but because, I mean, the $20 I'm sure helped. But at the same time, because they wanted to see this game get played and they they won, they did it. And then the team won. And so they get to walk around with the knowledge that they're winners and they know that they helped get us to this point. And you can sit there on the sideline and naysay all you want. Do it from a fucking distance. Just stay there (laughs) and stay as far away from me as possible. God. And also, Chris, social media, I said I was going to stop arguing with idiots on the Internet. But I'm not a good person and I can't do it. The funny thing is, it's not even people from other fan bases. That's the frustrating thing. Final thoughts as we wrap this podcast. Take down our nemesis, Kansas City, this weekend. Are you already on to Kansas City? I'm on to Kansas City. Josh has got to do it for... What kind of fucking legacy do you want? Change it on Sunday against Kansas City. Yeah, this is an opportunity for Allen to craft the narrative here. 
change the narrative about who and what he is. Like everyone's talking about MVP, right? The, 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 when he ran that 52-yard touchdown in, the MVP chant was pretty cool. The whole stadium just, MVP, MVP. That's who he is. He's on the cusp of that. The thing is, he's got to do some incredible things before they're ever going to give him that level of recognition. Now, I understand it's it's a lot of it's regular season. Lamar Jackson probably still will win it. Or some someone like, like Brock Purdy winning it would just be insulting to the award itself. I think that it's exciting. This game was a blast. It was stressful. And it was a difficult weekend for myself and a lot of other people. But we came together as 70,000 people, froze our asses off, and had a blast celebrating a Bills wildcard victory. So, with that, I'll toast. But we've been here before. We've been in this position we finally get a chance to prove that this team, this coach, this quarterback is capable of more, that they're capable of taking that next step, that they're better. They're right here on the doorstep of it. Now, in our preview show this week, we're going to talk a little bit about how this isn't the, this isn't the, it's not the Chiefs team that we've come to know. The Nemesis Chiefs, they're still very, very good. It's just different than it ever used to be. If there was ever a time for you to get one over on Patrick Mahomes and prove if you're Sean McDermott that you can outdo Andy Reid, it's now. We got there. We're going to get this opportunity on the back of the depth of our roster And so for as much as I'm nervous about the prospect of having to go into a game with this magnitude against that team, who's seemingly always had our number in the postseason with these backups, whoever, because their starters, Chris, how many starters have been injured? Benford, Teron Johnson, Bernard, Bernard, Milano, Spector, like all of these people who have started games for us are now on the sidelines nursing injuries and their status is unknown. But it's a game like this last one where I go, I don't feel as bad as I might. Kudos to them. Kudos to these backups for stepping in and putting their fingerprints all over a playoff victory to the point where we as a fan base should have at least a little more faith than we otherwise might. This team's well coached. They're talented. They're deep. Now you just got to hope you can get lucky. If you can do those three things, you could be hosting an AFC championship game. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I've had a lot of fun talking about it, but for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rock Report.